Uh, basically, I want to close out with our theme in talking about making room. Come on, somebody. Amen. Making room for Jesus. Are you with me? Uh, and so tonight, we're going to get into this study tonight, and I want to give you a few things for you to carry away with you. Amen. Being that we won't be here for Christmas. Amen. Um, but I will tell you, um, it is good to be in the house of God one more time. Amen. And so if you have your Bibles, open your Bibles to the book of Luke. I want to talk about today making room for Jesus. But I have a few questions before we start. Why do we have no room for Jesus? Amen. Why do we have no room for Jesus in our lives? Why do you think that is? Prioritize other things. Putting worldly things first. Amen. Being too busy, right? So Luke chapter 2 talks about the birth of Jesus. And if you look at verse 7, it says, And she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him in what? Cloths, and laid him in a what? In a manger, because there was no room for them in the end. Imagine that the Savior of the world is being born. God in humanity. Deity wrapped up in humanity. The one who holds the world in his hands. If you didn't know, Jesus does hold the world in his hands. Here he is being treated as if he was nothing. You see, I believe that Jesus is such an humble servant that he was not looking for popularity. He was not looking for praise. What he understood his assignment was, was to come and save us from our sins. Now, you gave me some good, good reasons. And I want to give you some of my reasons. Number one, I believe the reason we don't make room for Jesus is because we don't pay attention. Our attention span is very, very small. Uh, we, we, we want Jesus in our lives when things are, come on, when things are bad. Amen. But we don't pay attention. The other thing is we crowd our lives with other things. Amen. We crowd our lives. Our lives is crowded and cluttered. With so many things. Amen. The next thing is we don't think we need to make room for him. Because once we've accepted him as our Lord and Savior, we feel like the deal is done. But I want to encourage somebody here today to let you know that what you have to do after you accept Christ, you have to build on the relationship. You have to spend time in prayer. You have to spend time in praise. You have to spend time, amen, getting to know the Jesus of the Bible. 
Are you with me? And then lastly, I believe that um, I said we don't think we need to make room for them. I already said that. Well, that's my last one. <laughs> Amen. And so tonight I want to help you. I want to encourage you uh, that we need to learn, we need to figure out what's the best way to do this. And so I have about four things I would like to give you in order to make that happen. Now, sometimes we're so busy with the holiday rush, busy with work, busy with trying to do this and that and this and that, and for some reason we outrun Jesus. We get ahead of him. Amen. We, 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 we don't make him the most important thing. Right? And what the question is, what does that look like though, right? See, what I want you to know tonight is that when you give your life to Christ, you are actually serving someone. It is not a figment of your imagination. You're serving the creator of the world, the one who sits at the right hand of God. And I believe that the Advent season gives us a moment to pause and then ask ourselves a question for in 2021, how closer have I gotten to Jesus? Are you with me? And so making room for Jesus means that you have to readjust and realign some things in your life. Here's the thing. We have to reprioritize some things. You got to decide who's going to be first, who's going to be second, who's going to be third in that order. Are you with me? Because what I found out is, saints, is that a lot of times we come up with a lot of excuses why we can't put him first. All right? And so we're so busy preparing. Isn't that amazing? We're preparing for Christmas to celebrate, to not celebrate what Christmas is all about. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? Because on Christmas morning, we're not thinking about, oh, well, let's, let's, that's why we do traditionally, typically, we do a Christmas morning service. Makes sense to me. I mean, if you have your, if, you, if it's your birthday, you want somebody to show up for your birthday party, right? And I think about that. I think about Christmas. People want to get up and they want to open presents and they want to do, I'm not knocking that. I think that's great traditions and things like that. But I want you to know that you have to continue to make room for Jesus and be real about this relationship because there's nobody that can do you like Jesus. There's no one who can transform your life. No one who can forgive you of your sins. No one who can give you the strength that you need to face what you're facing right now. And some of us are facing some difficult situations. But here's the thing. You got to move some things around so that you can make room for Jesus. I think the first thing that we must do, you ready? We have to quiet our hearts. Go to Psalm 46 for me. Psalm 46. We have to what? Quiet our hearts. You got to understand that out of your heart flows the issues of life. And some of us, we got so much noise going on. We're disturbed. Amen. We're so disturbed by all sorts of things. And let me tell you something. The devil is not going to stop coming your way. He's not going to stop until you take a stand. He's not going to stop until you realize that, listen, I, you know what? I'm going to stop letting everything else in my heart, and I'm going to let Jesus come in and be first place in my heart. So, in other words, I got to silence the noise. Are you with me? 
And then you have to be, pay attention to the voices that you're hearing. Hello, somebody. Psalm 46. Let's look at verse 1 first, though. It says what? God is what? Our refuge. And what? Yes. A very what? Present help. When? In times of trouble. Amen. And then he says next, therefore, remember what the there is there for. He says, number one, God is our what? Refuge. God is our what? Strength. God is what? Present. God is our safety. God is our security. And God is our strength. And so I'm going to quiet my heart and realize that no matter what trouble I may be facing right now in life, I understand that God is the one I run to. Saints, why is it that we run to everybody else before we run to him? Isn't that something? Therefore, he says what? We will not what? Check it out. Though the earth. Come on now. Come on now. You know what the problem with most of us? We don't adjust well to change. Change is difficult for us. But he says the earth. Listen, the world is changing constantly. You understand what I'm saying? And, and here's the thing what I want to share with you tonight. If you're going to make room for Jesus, you got to get good with change. Amen. Watch the text. The text says what? And though the mountains slip into the heart of the sea, what he says next, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains quake at its swelling pride, Selah. The word Selah means pause. Remember, each psalm is a song. And so when you see the word selah, it causes you to pause and ponder what's being said. What is he saying here? He's saying, though turbulence come in your life, though the noise is all over the place, come on somebody, though the waters are rushing and roaring in your life, quiet your heart. A lot of us can't sleep because we got too much going on in our hearts. Too much going on in our minds. We're overthinking stuff. Are you with me? Verse 4 said, there's a river whose streams make glad the city of God. The holy dwelling place of the most high. Watch this. He says, God is in the midst of her. She will not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nation made an uproar. The kingdoms totter. He raised his voice, he, he, his, he raised his voice, the earth melted. See, the writer is, is obviously telling us something. He is telling us something that there is a place where God resides. A city, not made with hands. Come on, somebody. And you and I, one day will enter that city. Come on, somebody. And we will be in the presence of our Lord. But when you get to verse 10, he says, cease what? 
You know what that word cease means in the Hebrew? I'm going to help somebody with something tonight. To quiet your heart. The word means to let go. Some of you got to let go of some stuff. You have to let go because if you keep holding on to the trouble, to whatever it seems like is causing you to be all in an uproar, listen, you have to let it go. Quit striving to keep stuff that God is telling you to. Come on. See, striving, and, and look what he says. He says what? He says, and know. Now, 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 let me tell you what the knowing means. The knowing there means to relax. So, in other words, when you put the two words together, it means let go and relax. How do I quiet my soul, pastor? How do I make room for Jesus? Listen, he's not coming in no disruptive, dysfunctional places, okay? Now, he will come in to fix it, but if he has fixed you, Come on, somebody. If he's transformed you, if he has given you a new life, then why do you keep going back to having all of this stuff going on in your heart? He says, he says, he says, he says, let go and what? Relax. Let go and relax. Quit striving, striving. And know that I am God. He says, I will be what? Among the nations, I will be exalted in the earth. Now, that word exalt simply means just to make big. In other words, what God is saying to us tonight, if you're going to make room for Jesus, you have to understand who you're going to magnify. But he says, I will. So that suggests something. Whether you want to do it or not, somebody else is going to do it. Isn't it interesting how somebody else is, is doing better than you? And you're wondering why they're doing better. They're, not, they're no different than you. They've given their hearts to Christ. But the point is, the difference is, they're not, they're not, they're not going back. They've made a decision to what? To let go. And relax. Are you with me? All right. As much as we enjoy the holiday seasons, it can add more of the already busy stuff in our lives. More activities, more shopping, more work, more stress. Before you know it, you're fretting, you're, you're snappy, you're getting angry, you're frustrated, you got resentment that blinds you up inside and, and nothing frees you. It holds you. Are you with me? And here's the second thing I want to give you. After you've quiet your heart. I'm going to help somebody with something tonight. You ready? Come clean. Come clean with God. If I'm going to make room for Jesus in my life, I got to tell him all about it. I got to come clean with him. I got to say to God, God, this is how I feel. This is what I'm really feeling. I know we got these surface prayers. 
But Jesus wants to come into a real place. He wants to come into a real heart. He wants you to open your heart and make room for him. But you got to come clean with him. Go to Psalm 51. Come on, say amen, y'all. Boy, did I say something? <laughs> Psalm 51. Now, let me tell you what's going on with David here. David, a man after God's own heart. This particular psalm was penned when David had, was living a lie. Imagine this. He's the king of Israel leading the people. He was a victorious king, but he was a failure morally. He looked like he had it together, but morally he had failed. All right, now I've said this before. You know, he had wives, wives. He had concubines, but yet David still wanted what he wanted. You follow me? And here's the problem, saints. We can't hide anything from God. We can't hide anything from him. And at the moment he wrote this psalm, he writes this psalm because he was found out. He was confronted by Nathan. And Nathan said, listen, man, there's a man. What would you do? He said, I'll kill him. You know what David had done, right? Does everybody know what David had done? Well, let me explain to you just in case you don't know what David had done. David had sinned with Bathsheba. David's, Bathsheba's husband, this is, a, this is a soap opera stuff here. Watch this. Let me give you Young and the Restless right here. Young and the Ruthless. <laughs> watch it. I just had to make it. Watch this. David, Bathsheba's husband was David's right-hand man in the army. Okay? His, his, the guy that would stand in the front lines for David. So David slept with his wife. She got pregnant. And then what David tried to do is cover it up. Let me help you with something, okay? You can't cover sin up. All right? You can't make room for Jesus and have him in the same house where you have a whole bunch of mess that you won't come clean with. Can I get an amen or something? Watch this. Watch this now. Watch this now. Watch where I'm going with this, right? So here's what David did. David sent a letter out there, right, to the front and said, hey, tell him to come home. David tried to get him to go home and sleep with his wife. This is some young and the ruthless stuff. Watch this. Check it out. Check it out. But he was so loyal to David. He said, man, I can't go out. I can't. I can't rest at home in my bed when I know my men are out there on the front lines dying. Nah, I'm going to stay right here by your door and I'm going to guard you. Like, man, go on in there, man. Go on. <laughs> go on home, man. Go on home. He's like, nope, I ain't doing it. Loyal. You know what David did? David wrote a letter to the commanding officer, put it in the hands of of 
Bathsheba's husband. That letter said, put him on the front line to die. He gave him a death sentence, put it in his hands. This is David. This is David. Now, a lot of people are not mature to handle this, okay? Because the reason why, because they're like, well, how come he a man after God's own heart? How can God keep, listen, God is a merciful God. See, here's the thing you got to know about David. Don't get it twisted. David may have had a moral problem. He didn't have a heart problem. See, we all sin and fall short of the glory of God. Come on, help me here right quick. Okay, we all got stuff that we're doing. People have to be all, all holy in church and all that kind of stuff. But here's the thing. We got stuff we go through. But God knows your what? God knows your heart. Okay? He was failing morally, but he had a good heart. His flesh got the better of him. This is David. David done didn't. He, he, listen, he done messed up. Well, Bathsheba's husband went out on the front line, and lo and behold, he died. What did David do? He married Bathsheba. And out of Bathsheba comes Solomon. You with me? Watch this. Watch this. This is the psalm of a repented person who was coming clean. Oh, thank you. If I spoke in tongues, I'd do it right now. Boom, boom, boom. Watch this. <laughs> Watch this. This is the psalm of a repented believer who's coming clean. Can I ask you a question? Do you need to come clean with God? Is there some stuff you done try to cover up that you watch this? You try to act like you're clean, but you're not. But God says all you got to do is come clean. Don't you know that your blessings is tied up in that? And some of us are trying to prosper, but we're trying to hide our identity. We're trying to hide the stuff we keep pushing in the closet. Hey. Look at 51. Let's look at it. Look at verse 1. He said, be gracious to me, oh God. Can you feel his pain? See, when he was in the middle of doing his mess, he wasn't thinking about consequences. Man, we want to make room for Jesus, but we don't want to deal with the consequences. You know, we want to live a life where it's just so like, okay, yeah, I'm living for Jesus. But yet we're not cleaning up. We're not coming to him. See, here's the thing. The, the thing about cleaning up, you ain't got to clean up. All you got to do is come clean. What does God want from us? A confession. And listen, you don't have to confess to no man. You confess to God by yourself in the privacy of your own time with him. Lord, I'm sorry, Lord. Look what he said. Be gracious to me according to your what? Loving kindness. According to the greatness of your what? Compassion. I'm going to show you some things that happens when you come clean. I'm going to show you some things that happens when, you're not, when you don't come clean. And then I'm going to show you some stuff that happens when you do come clean. Watch this. He says, watch what he says. According to the greatness of your what? David knew something about God. God had put up with him for two years. Can you imagine two years? Can you imagine? And you know, some of us, we live so long with our dirt that it, it just like, it's just regular. We just, that's why we repeat it. See, because when you get away with it the first time. Okay, watch this. 
uh, according to the greatness of your compassion. Look what he says. He says, blot out my what? Now what you got to say? Lord, take it out. Verse 2, wash me thoroughly from my what? And what? Cleanse me from my... Why do you need to be washed? Why do you need to be cleaned up? Because we're living with the what? With the filth of sin. See, there are people don't want to talk about sin today. But watch this. But listen, when you're walking around with sin in your life, man, listen, 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 listen to me real good. Okay? You can keep pretending you don't feel that way, but that's the reason why you feel that way. Reason we feel filthy is because it's sin. And look, and listen, you ain't did nothing. You're like, I, I ain't did that in a long time, but I still feel some kind of way. Until you come clean with God. Watch the text, watch the text. He says, verse 3, he says, uh, for I know my transgressions. And my sin is ever what? Mm-hmm. Against you and only you have I sinned and done what was evil in your sight so that you are justified when you speak and blameless when you judge. Here's the thing about people who don't want to come clean. They walk around and they have a pity party because nothing is working for them. And all they have to do Man, you better close this year outright and make some room for Jesus. Come clean. Look what he says. Look what he says. He says, he says, verse 5, he says, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. Behold, you desire truth in the innermost being. You see that? And in the hidden part, you will make me know what? Wisdom. Watch this. Purify me. With hyssop. Hyssop was a form of, uh, it was, it, it's like a branch, and they would, they would put it on you and it would make you clean. Hyssop. He says, watch this. He says, watch what he says next. He says, wash me, and I shall be what? Come on, help me, somebody. Now, let me show you verse 8. I'm going to help you with, I'm going to hope you with something. Watch this. Make me hear what? Ha! Watch this. And I'm talking to somebody here today. Your joy is temporary because your confession is not permanent. You have reformed behavior, but you're not regenerated. <laughs> you're not being renewed in your mind. So therefore, you're saying the right things but you're not living it. Oh, I'm making room for Jesus. Can you imagine living your life without him? Oh, come on, somebody. You remember what that was like? Anybody here remember what that was like? You were doing it your way? Is that McDonald's? Have it your way? Burger King, that's Burger King. <laughs> I done messed them up. <laughs> hey, man, watch this. 
He says, he says, make me hear joy and gladness. So what I reckon is that if you don't come clean, sin makes you depressed. See, I'm depressed. Watch this, watch this, watch this. I want to hear, David said, I'm living, can you imagine living with no joy? Can, can you imagine living with no gladness? Watch the rest of the text. Let the bones which you have broken rejoice. You know what was going on with him? He was physically sick. He was emotionally sick. And he was trying to figure out like, hold on, man, I'm king. I'm a man after God's own heart. Why is my life like this? He's saying, you know why my life is like this? Because I ain't coming clean with God. And you know what's crazy? If you can't come clean with God, what makes you think you're going to come clean with me? Or with anybody else in your life? See, we could keep living a lie. You know, when you repeat a lie and it sounds good, you know what happens? You start believing it. And then you know what you start doing? You start enhancing it every time you tell it. Before you know it, you're living the lie that you created. And you're like convinced like, oh, yeah, it's going to work. Look what he says. He says, let the bones which you've broken. He says, verse 9, he says, look what he says in verse 9. He says, hide your face from my sins and blot out all my what? Verse 10, verse 10, verse 10. You ready? Create in me. A clean heart. Oh, Lord, just clean my heart up, Lord, tonight. Lord, whatever I may have there lingering, all the stuff I've been through these 12 months, Lord, create in me a clean heart. Look at this. And renew a steadfast, what? Spirit within me. Watch verse 11. Watch verse 11. Do not cast me away from your what? You know what I figure out? A lot of people can't come to church. They can't. They want to, but they just can't. Because the presence of God will illuminate things in your life that needs to be fixed. He says, and do not take your what? Holy Spirit from me. See that? And so we know, in essence, we grieve the Holy Spirit if we don't come clean. Y'all following me? Now watch this. He says, restore to me the joy of my salvation, of your salvation, and sustain me with a what kind of spirit, y'all? Oh, God, give me, oh, listen, isn't it amazing? Now, I don't know about you. This seems like a good case to come clean. <laughs> like, hold on a second now. Listen, if you knew that's all it took, would you do it? <laughs> I'm first in line. Yeah, Lord. But can I tell you something? That is all what it takes. If you're going to make room for Jesus, you have to quiet your heart, but you got to come clean. And this is how you come clean. Look what he says. He says, then, verse 13, 
I will teach. You know what David said? David said, after I've been through what I've been through, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to stand up and tell somebody. I'm going to testify of what life was like without him. I'm going to testify and tell somebody, amen, what it was like to live with unconfessed sins and not coming clean and dodging God and running from him and can't be in his presence. I'm going to tell you what it's like. But you know what I found out about some people? You could tell them till they blew in the eyes. And they still won't believe you. You could tell them, listen, this is what I've been through. Kind of like people that don't, people today who are struggling with this idea of taking the vaccine. I mean, I'm saying to myself, is it not apparent to you? And yet and still you have a theory that's not real. Hello, somebody. But if you have to go through something. I, listen, I learned the first time, okay, Lord. <laughs> yep. You don't have to tell me again. Are you with me? He says in verse 14, this is David. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, the God of my salvation. Then my tongue, here's how I know when someone's done come clean. When they come into worship, they can lift their hands. They can sing a song. See, your joy is not predicated on circumstances, y'all. Your joy is predicated on how good you are with God. Listen, listen. Don't let the external affect your, your joy, your internal joy. Look what he says. He says, he says, then my tongue will joyfully, what? Sing of your righteousness. Oh, Lord, open my lips. That my mouth may declare, hey, when you come clean with Jesus, you can sing again. Oh, and you ain't singing no sad song either. You ain't singing, woe is me. Amen. You singing, I woke up this morning with my mind. Stayed on Jesus. Come on, somebody. You understand what I'm saying? You have a song in your heart. You have a, you have a joy. Listen, I see believers coming to church. I'm wondering, like, what happens from, like, 8 a.m. To, to 6.30? Joy. Because you're, you've come clean with him. He says, look what he says. He says, oh, Lord, open my lips. Verse 16, for you do not delight in what? Ah, otherwise I would what? You are not pleased with burnt offering. Uh-huh. But the sacrifices of God, watch me now, are a what? Broken spirit. A broken and contrite heart. Let me ask you a question. Have you been broken yet? See, pride will keep you from contrition. You know what contrition is? Humility. 
You, you know what humility is? Staying low. Water cannot flow to high places. You want God to bless you, but your nose is up in the air. You want God to bless you, but he can't send rain on your blessing because you're too high for him. But when you get low, the water will start flowing down to you. Blessings will begin to happen for you. Things will start happening. See, what God told David is, listen, I don't want all that sacrifice. What I want from you, if you're going to come clean, is you got to come broken. And I ain't talking about broken where you just a mess. I'm talking about broken where you realize, God, without you, I can't do it. I can't do it, Lord. I'm going to say it one more time. I can't do it. The next thing you got to do, I got a few minutes, is you have to invite our Savior to come in. One of the most intriguing miracles in the New Testament is Jesus making his home in our hearts. Open the door of your heart. Ask Jesus to come and show himself to you. Draw near to him for fellowship, for worship, for contrition. Go to Ephesians chapter 3. I didn't get to finish that, but all is good. You know what it is. You can read that Psalm 51 when you start tripping again. Amen. And pray the prayer. Pray the prayer. Like, man, I messed up. We're going to mess up. But don't use it as an excuse to keep messing up. <laughs> well, everybody mess up. <laughs> Just as one time. <clears throat> Ephesians chapter 3, verse 17. Somebody read that for me. Verse 14, what does it say? For I bow my knees to the Father. Mm, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Okay, so watch this. Here it is, right? So when you invite the Savior in, see, what we need is we are asking God to strengthen us. With See, the power that comes in your life is the power that comes through the Spirit. You know, people say, Pastor, pray my strength. I'd be like, Lord, Holy Spirit, strengthen them. <laughs> it's the Spirit. And this is a prayer that Paul is praying for this church. Look at verse 17. He's, but but, but you got to know about the inner man. There's the outer man, but there's the inner man or woman. You understand? And so you have to ask yourself a question. What does that inner person look like? Lord, I need strength. But watch this. So that Christ... May what? Dwell in your. How do I know he's in my heart? I'm broken. I'm contrite. 
I have humility. I'm, I'm readjusting my life around him. I realize something. Not everybody has the same passion for church. They don't. I mean, the pastor has a different kind of passion. The people have a different kind of passion. But listen, when Jesus is in your heart, what does that look like? Look what Paul says. Paul says, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through what? And that you being what? And grounded? Oh, my gosh. May it be able to comprehend with all the saints the what? Breath, the length, the height, and the depth. Now, what you see there is a formula. <laughs> Let me show you the formula. He says, you're going to understand how why, how deep, how high his love is for you. And as much as you love him, he loves you even more. But you know what I found out about people? They don't comprehend the love. So Paul says, I pray. That you realize how deep this love is. How wide this love is. Watch what he says next. He says, and to know the love of Christ which surpasses the knowledge that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. See? So, so I, I say you have to invite him in to come in. He's not going to go where, he don't, where, he, where he's not wanted. You understand? Making room for Jesus. The next thing is we have to ask God to heal our broken places. Heal our broken places. High expectations of a joyous season can weigh heavy on our hearts. Christmas may bring painful reminders of dysfunctional families, struggles, singleness, or the loss of a loved one. But God is waiting right now for you to pour out your heart and tell him how you feel. Here's a promise you can count on. Psalm 34. Amen. If it can be backed up in scripture... And that means it don't really mean nothing, right? Verse 18, what does it say? Oh, man. Verse 17. The righteous what? And what? <laughs> huh? I wish some of you believe this. I really wish some of you believe this. I don't call nobody. I have nobody to call. But when I cry out to him, oh Lord, hear me. Hear my cry, oh Lord. 
The text says he delivers you from what? Hmm? From what? Of their troubles. And I love verse 18. The Lord is near to who? Wait a minute. I thought he was near to people who are righteous. See? He's near to the brokenhearted. Some of us have some broken places in our lives. Some brokenness. And I want to tell you something. If you pay attention, you'll see them. You've had bad relationships. You've had bad business dealings. You've had bad associations. You've had all kinds of stuff that has left you broken. But the beautiful thing about letting Jesus in, he comes in to fix these things. And the text says, and saves them who are crushed. Have you ever been crushed in spirit? Has anything ever happened in your life so much that it crushed you? Verse 19. Many are the what? Huh? Of the righteous. But the Lord delivers him from them all. And if I were to give you a last point tonight, it would be this. Ask God to renew our hearts. Ask God to renew our hearts. You may be dragging a weary heart around. As you push your carriage, your, your, your shopping cart in the grocery store, at Macy's, or wherever you are, amen, you are walking around with a weary heart. You have a smile, but inside you are in pain. Ask God to renew your heart. In Psalm 23, you should know that. Verse 2, he says, he makes me to what? Mm -hmm. In what? Green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. See, some of us, when it gets quiet, we get nervous because we've been in the noise so long. First point. Right? Don't, don't get paranoid when it gets quiet. It means you're in the right place. And then lastly, he says what? He restores my soul. See that? He guides me in the path of righteousness for what? For his name's sake. And so I leave you tonight, amen, with these points that you would embrace this idea of making room for Jesus. Last week I told you that the Lord is with you. Hope is what we talked about. Today we talked about healing. You know, I realize in our church, and today the Lord showed it to me, we have a lot of 
people in our church, members in our church that needs emotional healing. You understand what I'm saying? And so it's so amazing how the Lord allowed me to gather this message last week. I prepared this for this week. And it's right on time. And so tonight, as I close tonight, I pray and I believe that if you follow the path, listen, take your notes, but then apply those things to your life. Ask Jesus, come clean.